Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast. This is going to be episode 43, titled Mother of Justice, Marianne Bachmeyer. So, there was a story that I came across a while back, and a lot of you on TikTok, especially when I posted a video, I want to believe it's a reenactment video of what happened on a very fateful day. On March 6th, 1981, at around 10 a.m. in Lübeck, Germany, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, Marianne Bachmeier became famous because she shot and killed Klaus Grabowski, the man who kidnapped, raped, and murdered her seven-year-old daughter, Anna. Oh, very, very powerful story. This Basically, from what a lot of people have told me as well, is the female equivalent of what Gary Ploche did in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, Anna was Marianne's daughter. To give a little backstory to Marianne, let's rewind to when she was born in 1950. She was born to a German couple who her father was a member of the Nazi SS. I forget which division specifically, but I knew that from what I read that she that her father was a SS officer or affiliated with the the Nazi SS group. Not a good individual for sure. And somehow was able to stay in Germany after the war like so many other fathers did. Uh, whether they were on the German side or on the American side or British side or whatever side it was they, they participated, they saw a lot of things. And a lot of men 
turned to alcoholism. And Marianne's father was no different. He ruled with a very strict demeanor in the household. Stricter than most for the time in, in the 50s. And it was a very harsh life for Marianne. Growing up with a very harsh father. At the age of 16, she got pregnant. And she put up her first child for adoption. At the age of 18, she had her second child and put that child up for adoption as well. Then I want to say at the age of 22, she got pregnant with her third child, which was Anna. She got married, and the man that she married did not want to have children. So they eventually broke off, and she decided to keep her child. Being a single mother in the 70s in Germany is not an easy thing. So she took a job working at a bar not far from her house where she worked. And she worked a lot of different odd hours. Most of the time Anna had to go to the bar and stay there and find a little cozy spot somewhere and sleep. And, of course, as children in the 70s and 80s, a lot of you Gen Xers will remember parental uh, supervision was not a big thing. And it was the same way with, with Anna. So I don't know if it was certain if Klaus Grabowski was an actual patron of the bar or how they came to be. He was a local butcher in their area. And he had cats. Well, Anna was a big fan of cats. So she would go, play with these cats at Klaus's house. And I'm assuming that oh, what Klaus did was take her, take her upstairs, and he raped her. So I need to correct that. Klaus did kidnap Anna. But she's also she the way I the way I remember the story, and I'm sorry y'all, I know I'm kinda jumping back and forth and not really having a good flow with the story. She went to his house a couple times, so that's how Klaus was able to know about Anna. What happened was was that Anna and Marianne had an argument and she decided to skip school that day. Well, Klaus saw her, kidnapped her, held her at his house for a few hours, and that's when he raped her. And because he was a twice convicted sex offender, a child molester, he decided to murder Anna. Now here's the thing. Klaus actually in 1976 underwent chemical castration, but then secretly went and took drugs to reverse it. Yeah. Fucking monster in my opinion. Here's the more heinous part about it. He didn't want his fiance to find out. Or he didn't want anybody else to find out because he knew if he had gone to jail for this this time, they probably would have locked him up for a long time. And back in the 70s, or back in the 80s, I should say, when this happened, um, <laughs> it wasn't going to be good for a child molester, especially a third-time child molester. He might not have lived to, to get past his sentence to fill out his uh, obligation to the state. So 
he decided to kill Anna. He tied her up with his fiance's pantyhose, put her in a box, and then dropped that box off on the shore of a canal nearby. I don't know how his fiance found out, but she found out. Maybe he was guilt-ridden. I don't know. But she immediately turned him in. Rightfully so. And that I'm thankful for. That woman is even alive to this day. Probably not. You gotta think, this was back in the 80s. May 5th, 1980 to be exact. So, I don't know. But my hat's off to this lady. Because she was able to help get this sick, twisted monster off the streets. And he then started his trial process. And just as a side note, he told the police that the reason why he killed Anna was because he threatened, she threatened to, to, to extort money out of him by saying that she was going to tell her mother if she didn't give him money that she was going to say that you molested and raped me a seven-year-old y'all a fucking seven-year-old you know i it, it boils my blood the fucking lies that these monsters come up with and i'm gonna to touch base on all that i just want to give you the story first and then we're gonna really you know go into our opinions about it so the trial moves forward and on March 6th, 1981, Marianne, who had to sit there and endure the grief of losing the only child that she actually kept in her life. She had three children. Anna was the only one that she decided to keep. She lost her only child in life, essentially. 30 years old. Single mother had to endure the pain of her child not only being murdered, but also raped and murdered, and her body put in a box on a shore by a canal. Because this sick asshole was already twice convicted, and it was back out on the streets, and reversed his chemical castration. Let that sink in for a little bit. Let your, bud, let, 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 let your blood boil. As it boiled mine as I read about that. Just let it fucking boil. Now you can understand why Marianne smuggled a Beretta 70 22 caliber pistol in a trench coat into the courtroom. Now mind you, this ain't modern day courtrooms where we have metal detectors before you can even get to any of these courtrooms. You know, like most courtrooms, like the ones in my area, you have like... Three or four police officers sitting at a metal detector, making sure nothing's going to pop off and nobody's going to rush into the courtroom, into the courthouse with a pistol in their hand and go shoot some somebody while they're having trial. This was before all that. She might be the reason why worldwide we have metal detectors in our courtrooms now. But she was able to smuggle one in and she walked into the courtroom. Klaus was had his back toward her. She pulled out a pistol and she fired seven shots into Klaus's back 
six of those shots hit and killed him then and there. I want to say this was at the sentencing portion of his hearing, of his trial. So this was like on the third day of his trial for sure that I know of. I don't know maybe if this was when they were sentencing him or they were just in the middle of it, but think of it in Marianne's mind. This monster was twice convicted, and I call him a monster. Twice convicted monster, all right, confessed to killing Anna. So she already knew that this man was guilty. It wasn't no, well, he needed his day in court and everything like that. No, the court system failed Marianne. It failed the other two little girls that he molested because he was able to breathe free air. She knew that if he were to go to trial, chances were he'd get a light sentence or maybe 10 years at most, and she'd have to deal with the rest of her life, Anna being gone forever. I think Marianne Bachmeyer did what any other mother or father or parent would do. When she shot Klaus Grabowski, West Germany was fully there to support her. They sent, when she was in jail, they sent her flowers, gifts, money. She was set. The good thing is, or the unfortunate thing, the way you want to look at it, me, I really personally think it was unfortunate that she had to spend three years in prison. But I'd rather, on the flip side, her only spend three years in prison than the rest of her life. So she was she was sentenced for six years in prison. She only served three of them. And uh, it was for manslaughter and for illegal possession of a firearm. How she got the firearm, how she smuggled in, that kind of remains a mystery up to interpretation. I don't know. But West Germany lit up. And in the rest of the world lit up as well and we're cheering her on she spent her three years in prison or jail either either way she sold her story for a hundred thousand deutschmarks which i guess a hundred thousand german dollars and she she was able to have enough cash do what she had to go do and she did move forward with life so after she got done with prison, she married a teacher and moved to uh, Ghana. It's a country. I Don't ask me where to find it. I have that Tangipahoe Parish education, so my geography is very limited to the United States and a couple of countries around the world. I, can't even, I couldn't even tell you which country Ghana was in. I'm assuming maybe Africa. <laughs> I, and please, anybody from Ghana, don't get mad at me for that. Uh, you know, the United States education system really wasn't that great for me. But she moved to Ghana. And then she ended up, I think she ended up moving to Sicily. Where she divorced her husband five years later. And what she did was, when she was in Sicily, she was a euthanasia assistant in Palermo. And eventually, a couple years later, got diagnosed with cancer moved back to Germany 
So when she finally passed away, she was 46 years old in September of 1996. She passed away of pancreatic cancer. The thing I want y'all to remember too is that she got buried in the same grave next to Anna. Which I think was a very sweet thing to do, in my opinion. There was multiple movies made about this case. There was a, a play or two as well, some documentaries. And you look, y'all got Google, y'all can look it up. Uh, one of them, I think, was This Is For You, Anna. Um, Tears For Anna, The Bachmeyer Case. Things that sort of nature. So, a lot of y'all came here from, I'm assuming a lot probably come here from the TikTok video that I made. I honestly will tell y'all that when I made that video, it was on a Saturday night at midnight, so Sunday morning, technically. I was in my bed. And I remember somebody sending me that case. And I looked it up and I found the video of it and I said, hmm. So I made the video. That a lot of y'all see where she walks up in the courtroom and pulls out a pistol and unloads it onto Klaus Grabowski. You don't see Klaus Grabowski in the in that video, but and I chose the song "She Knows," and it it went viral. I I was stunned. To I posted it around midnight, and then next thing I know, I wake up six o'clock Sunday morning. It's got ten thousand views. I said, "Wow." Did really well. I tell my wife about it. They go, oh yeah, that's cool. And I mean, you know, no big deal. 10,000 views. I mean, it's pretty good for my normal content. But uh, really good, I should say. But I was like, okay, that's really cool. Then we get in the car. And we go to go eat breakfast. And when we get to this restaurant to eat breakfast with her family. Within 30 minutes, it went from 10,000 views to 60,000 views. And I'm like, holy shit, is this going to go viral? And sure enough, all day Sunday and all day Monday, when you are on TikTok, you get like Facebook or any other social media, you get all these notifications, right? I couldn't go without 10 minutes without my notifications being maxed out. Like you got 99 plus notifications. I mean, good God, y'all, y'all shared the hell out of that. If I would have gotten my podcast shared as much as y'all shared that video, I would probably be up there with Joe Rogan. Just kidding, just kidding, but still. And I want to thank all of y'all because uh, there were quite a few of y'all that said, hey, are you going to do an episode on this? They talked to me privately, and some people actually said in the comments. And I said, yeah, I want to do an episode on it. I, I wasn't thinking about doing it this soon, but y'all cried out. Y'all said, hey, when the fuck are you going to do an episode on this? And I said, I think I'll do one. I think I'll do it on this. And... The comment sections, oh my God, y'all, y'all are freaking amazing people. These parents, these men and women, and anybody that identifies in between, I don't care who you, who or what you are, y'all just had this immense love for this lady. Justice was served. Kudos to her. She did the right thing. She did what the courts failed to do. Uh, good on her, even though she might not get, you know, couldn't bring Anna back. She got vengeance for Anna. And it's a reflection of how a lot of us feel in society about our current justice system for survivors. I think something that happened over 40 years ago 
can still be relevant to today. We look at that and we and we're wondering why didn't that happen now? You know, because if any of y'all have been on this podcast, you heard about James Fairbanks. I've if you've been on my TikTok channel, you heard me talk about Jason Vokovich. Oh, you also heard about Christopher Bennett on this podcast as well. I interviewed his mother. And there's Crystal Kaiser, there's Piper Lewis, which Crystal Kaiser I'll be covering soon in the future. But if you just go look up those names, right? James Fairbanks, Jason Vokovich, or the Alaskan Avenger, a lot of people know him as, Christopher Bennett, the man who got sentenced to 1,800 years in life, Crystal Kaiser, the young lady that killed her trafficker and rapist, got sentenced to life. Piper Lewis, the young lady who killed her rapist and trafficker as well. I think she got sentenced to 20 years, or she was on probation for five at a facility, and she had to escape. And I cover the possibilities of why that was. The reason why so many people loved that video, in my opinion, and of course this is always my opinion only, was because it reminded us of a time where we were lenient on fathers and mothers who were so angry and so hurt that something happened, something heinous happened to their children that they decided to take out those monsters. And rightfully so. I am of the, of the firm belief. Now, I officially have to say that I am not for vigilante justice. However, I can say that I understand those parents and how they feel. If you understand what I'm saying. In no way, shape, or form am I condoning vigilante justice. However, I can understand what those parents felt. And I can see why they went the routes they went. Look at Klaus Grabowski. He was a twice convicted child rapist. Marianne did not want that man to go after another little girl and make another family suffer. Her being single with no child on this earth anymore for, for her to raise she did the ultimate sacrifice. And I think it's important to note that. Some of y'all who are audience members of mine, who are fans of mine on TikTok, or not fans, but followers of mine on TikTok and on the, on the Facebook group and everything like that, some of you are parents who have had children that suffered through this, but you also have other children in your life as well. And as much as you'd want to go and take out the pieces of shit monster assholes that hurt your child you can't sacrifice your freedom and leave your other children vulnerable or all of your children vulnerable and it sucks it really fucking sucks that's why I give a lot of props to Marianne Bachmeyer that's why I give a lot of props to Gary Ploche both were in very highly emotional states and did not want to see their children you know, did not Gary didn't want to see his son Jody suffer. Marianne didn't have a daughter anymore on this earth. 
And for anybody that wants to ask me, do I feel sorry for Klaus Grabowski that they didn't get a fair day in trial? Nope, I do not. I do not feel sorry for that monster piece of shit. He had two chances in this life already. And he decided to reverse his chemical castration. So, fuck him. Flat out, fuck him. Now, I know you don't see me talk like this on TikTok. Because of terms of service. But guess what? I'm a little bit uh, not as censored on here as I can be. So, let's just say it again. Fuck him. The gates of hell burnt a little bit brighter when he stepped through them. Flat out. 100%. That monster is burning his ass up in hell. If there is a hell, which I like to believe there is, for him. There's a special place for him and all the other little baby diddlers and child rapists and baby killers out there in this world. The ones that murder these little ones. That murder these little babies. These, these, and when I say a baby, I don't mean just an infant. I mean... It can, a baby can be from out the womb to out the womb to today eighteen, you know. That's somebody's baby. That's somebody's child. Hell, some of you grown ass people are somebody's baby. You know? These little ones who are defenseless and have no voice, that's the ones that I call that I call babies. That's the ones that I'm fighting to protect. Using my voice. The bare minimum using my fucking voice. To bring this to y'all's attention. To bring these issues to light. To get y'all to think. And to get conversations started up. Because there are people out there at play. Who want to operate in the shadows. And keep hurting your children. If you don't believe me, look up Narsal. N-A-R-S-O-L. Look up this organization. Just in case y'all want to know something, a fun fact. They want to take down the sex offender registry. They don't even call it the sex offender registry. I don't know. I'm going to let you boil your blood for a second on this. Think about this. These assholes, which there's a chair, there, there, there's a whole board of these people. Two people on these board, on this board, are convicted child sex offenders. One of them, I think, was a was a single digit age child. The other one was an eleven year old, I believe. Oh yeah, they want to take down the sex offender registry. Why? Because life's so fucking hard on them. <laughs> Boo fucking who? How many people? How many stories? That y'all have never heard on here. That I've listened to. The people crying. And sobbing. Because they want to feel normal in this fucking world. And they can't because of the nightmares. The anxiety. The mental disorders they get from the trauma they endured as fucking children. Because these monsters don't understand. Don't touch fucking kids. They don't understand that concept. Sorry. And because of that, these children grow up to be adults for decades and decades later suffering through that trauma because they can't find healing or peace. 
Some of them turn to alcoholism. Some of them turn to drugs. Some of them turn to prostitution. Some of them turn to destructive behaviors. Some of them actually do turn around and recover and not really recover, but they learn to find peace in their healing journey. Some do. A lot don't. And that's what boils my blood and pisses me off. Because nobody deserves to have to live their life like that. Nobody deserves to go through those heinous things. That's why I'm so adamant about outing these fucking pedophiles. These child molesters. These individuals that want to hurt children. Because in their mind, they believe it's, you know, they believe it's loving them. They're sick. They are sick individuals. And it's about time we start using our voices and letting them know that, no, you're not a fucking map. You're not a minor attracted person. Pedophilia is not a fucking sexuality. And no, we will not accept it. Flat out. Fuck you. I am Gary Ploche, Marianne Bachmeyer style aggressive toward this issue. Because the survivors have broken my heart in a state of constant brokenness that have turned into rage. I have intense rage because of the fact that I couldn't be there or that I, I, I can't be there for every single survivor and that I, I wish I could just soak up their pain because that shit, seeing them cry and seeing them fucking break down fucking hurts. And as a man, as a fucking man that was raised by good men in my life. I was raised by a grandfather that was a domestic violence survivor. Who taught me to be a better man than his piece of shit father. Ever was. My grandfather, James, was a great fucking man. Is a, is a great fucking man. He's still alive to this day. Thank God. That man taught me. To stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. To defend the weak. To defend the voiceless. To be a tower of strength to those who need it the most. To help out the next man who's trying to help themselves out. To watch over the children, women, dogs, veterans, and the elderly and disabled. That's what my grandfather fucking taught me. Not to put my hands on a fucking woman. And I know there's some situations, very rare are these situations that you have to defend yourself from women. But for the most part, fellas, keep your fucking hands off of women too. Don't touch women. Don't, and in fact, for everybody, women, to be fair as well and to, be, and to be of equality, how about we keep our fucking hands to ourselves? Don't hit somebody. Don't touch somebody if they don't want to be touched by you. No means no. No does not mean to push the boundaries. No means fucking no. And don't touch kids. I think if you can abide by those simple things, you'd have a very happy and productive life. And you would meet the bar, the very low bar for a basic human being. My opinion. But these survivors, they've broken my heart. And I'm filled with rage. And I'm tired of seeing the lenient cases that these pedophiles get. Aren't you, any of you, tired of it? 
Go back to one of my previous episodes. Talk about Reed Copeland. He was a pedophile cop. A cop I knew. In Denham Springs, Louisiana. He was supposed to get 25 years. Now I understand how plea deals work. He took a guilty plea to get a lesser sentence, right? Five years. For each charge. Two charges. Statutory rape and malfeasance in office. And he got... Five years for each concurrently, which means they ran together. They didn't do one after the other. And a suspended sentence and three years probation. What the fuck is wrong with our judges that do that shit? He pleaded guilty. They had him dead to rights. They could have thrown him out there to the wolves. Give all the other potential pedophile cops that they got out and around our area the notice that, hey, you go around raping kids... You're going to get fucked. No. Pretty much that judge opened up the doorway to let other cops rape children. Yep. That's my opinion. Could I be wrong? I could be. <laughs> but this justice system isn't proving me wrong at all. In fact, the more I dig into our judi our judicial system in these cases, I see a very, very scary statistic that most sex offenders, most child sex offenders, get up to or less than a year in prison. Sometimes they get the cases dropped. So, knowing all this, you can understand why Marianne Bachmeyer killed Klaus Grabowski in the back. Six out of seven times. Shot his ass six out of seven times. Rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat. That's a revolution right there. And I think a lot of y'all feel the same damn way. I hope that as you go about your day, think about Marianne. Think about the type of mother she is. And that she loved her daughter, Anna. And that she was grief-stricken. And she did the next best thing that she could, knowing that it was more than likely the courts wasn't going to do jack shit for her. She took it upon herself. Is that the right thing to do? No. But the right thing to have done to prevent all that would have been to give Klaus a harsher sentence. To have laws in place to protect our children instead of giving these fucking bullshit one year or two years or five year sentences for raping a child. I don't understand our lawmakers. Currently, right now, they're working to ban TikTok. But they don't want to fucking focus on child rape laws. They'll take they'll ban shit that don't fucking matter. But they won't take care of the shit that does matter. To, you know, that matters to us. Remember that. <laughs> Y'all remember that. Why do you think a lot of people don't have faith in our justice system anymore? It's because... It ain't for us. And that's a sad reality. That is a sad reality. Because as I keep digging into this subject, I see more and more and more cases. And could they be bullshit? Yes, they could be bullshit. But all of them? Every fucking one of them? No. I'd like to present to you the whole court of public opinion that maybe just maybe... 
we have a corrupt judicial system that has designed government agencies and entities to not protect us or our children, but to harm them instead. And they profit off of that harm. Something to think about. Don't believe me. You know what, in fact? Prove me wrong. Prove me fucking wrong. I, I dare you. I defy you to. I defy any of you listening to prove me the fuck wrong. That the courts have your best interest at heart. That judges and DAs have your best interest at fucking heart. That the cops have your best interest at heart. That the government has your best interest at heart. Just go look at a thousand different things right now. Because I can pull out of my ass at least a dozen reasons how they don't. And that's just out of thin air. That's not even without any research or anything like that. It's scary. Now, I know this ain't normally about politics or anything. This is still staying in the topic of our judicial system. Because I don't give a shit about the politics of it. You know why? Because it's not a left or right issue that we're dealing with. We're dealing with human issues. So you're not going to find a conservative or liberal podcast here. You're going to find somebody who's who's a truck driver who's sick and tired of seeing these babies being raped and killed. And finding out on this journey all of the different kind of traumas I never knew existed. This is your first time ever hearing this podcast. I urge and beg you to take the time to go and listen to these other interviews. Hell, just the interviews. I don't care if you listen to my solo episodes. Go listen to my interviews. And the only way you're going to be able to hear those is if you're on Spotify. So maybe you're on Google Podcast or Apple Podcast right now listening to this. Because the only way that my interviews are not on the other platforms is because if I do a talk episode, as they call it, it only stays on Spotify because of their distribution rules. So that's the only reason you get to hear these solo episodes and not my actual interviews. Unless I was in a like studio recording with these people. And I don't have an actual studio. In fact, right now I'm inside of my fucking car. You probably hear the cars passing by. If you listen real close enough. I'm working on that issue as well y'all. Like I say. This ain't something I do full time. I make time for this. This is what I do in my off hours. For my real job. So for any of you to say. You don't have time for it. That's bullshit. Make fucking time. For this fight. Because your children's future. And your grandchildren's future. Depend on it. Flat out. It's up to us. To provide a world where our children will be safe. It is up to us. There ain't nobody else coming along, y'all. We're it. We're the ones. So if you are not as angry as I am, go and listen to a few more episodes and you will be. You'll have your heart broken. That I can tell you for sure. And you might learn a few things along the way. You might learn about a few different people. A lot of them I met on TikTok. A lot of you probably came here from TikTok. Because I made a video about this episode. Now thank you. I thank you for every like, every follow, every repost. 
I like you. I thank you for sharing my podcast among the algorithms and spreading it out there to people. They need to hear this. Survivors thank me because they tell me that I'm a voice for them. I'm not a voice for them. I'm a voice that supports them. And them survivors are the real real heroes, in my opinion. Because if it wasn't for, for a few brave people to, to share their stories how, how, as heinous as they were, my eyes would not be opened. My eyes would be closed and I'd be like another fucking sheep in this world. And I'm just sick and tired of seeing these babies being hurt. Flat out. So like I said, y'all, I appreciate all the likes, all the shares, the follows, the reviews. If you haven't given a review on Spotify or or, or, or you have TikTok, you haven't followed me on TikTok, go on there. There's a lot of content on there that's free. I don't charge for this content. All my shit should be free. Flat out. I'll let you know if I ever have a Patreon or a paid account or anything like that. But I'll make sure to bring value to that fucking table. If not, it'll be like a dollar or two dollars a month or some shit. And you can have like, you know, some extra posts I wouldn't post on on other social media. I don't know. I'm still figuring all that out. You know, I'm growing too. It's coming together. More people are coming united. I'm finding more organizations out there. Finding more people who are in this fight. And I... Love those individuals deeply from the bottom of my heart. Whether they ever come on this podcast or not, my friends on TikTok, I know for sure, I love to death. Love them to pieces. So this is the toward the end of the episode. I want to give a few shout-outs to some people that I know. If you don't know The Wolf Project... Or the Wolf Project Inc.com. It's ran by Gabby, who created a Reaper program. And what the Reapers do is they go and they work in conjunction with law enforcement and they gather evidence on online predators where they can get convictions. It is a very, very good program and it's something I truly believe within all my heart. Gabby's TikTok is. The Original Reaper, all zero, zero, all together. Just type in The Original Reaper, zero, zero. You will find her, young lady, a very smart 25-year-old lady who <sighs> impressed the fuck out of me that she's 25 years old, for one thing. Just her age alone impressed me that she created a Chris Hansen-style program. And she didn't even know who the hell Chris Hansen was, y'all. I interviewed her just recently, too, so she, that episode will be coming soon. She didn't even know Chris Hansen, y'all. That's when you know you're old, when these kids don't know who the fuck Chris Hansen is, and they're doing Chris Hansen shit. Y'all gotta give it up for this next generation coming up, man, because as much as y'all want to shit on Gen Z, I'm seeing them do a lot of great things. Don't be listening to all that mainstream news and shit like that. Unplug from all that, y'all. These kids... They got a better hold of their emotions. They got a better hold of what of concepts to grasp than a lot of y'all can ever understand. I feel hopeful for the future. Yeah, there's some stupid dumbass ones out there. Don't get me wrong. But there's some good ones too coming down the line. 
So another individual, and if you are a fan of my show and you listen, you know who Sabrina Young is. She's been a co-host to a few of my episodes, especially with the TTI, the Trouble Teen Industry. Go give her a follow as well. Go find her on different social media platforms. She wrote a book called Dear Renisha, Turning Trauma into Triumph, which I just did that episode last week. So you should give that one a, a listen to as well. And she did another one uh, earlier on in my podcast. I think it's called The Horrors of the TTI, uh, Sabrina Young. So definitely go look for that episode. I think it was either 21 or 22 or 23, around somewhere around up in there. Oh, who else? There is a badass survivor. He's an individual who was uh, trafficked when he was younger. Human trafficked. And I want to say he was sex trafficked, if I'm not mistaken. But I know it was definitely human trafficking for sure. (laughs) Like work exploitation traffic. I think it was sex trafficking as well. He's big on TikTok. He also is very big with the with the Londinis. If y'all don't know who the Londinis are, those are uh, ethical hackers, like an ex- ethical hacking group that exposes pedophiles online. They get their IP addresses, they find out who the hell they are, and they get them the hell off these platforms too. And among other anti-bullying and other campaigns and fights that they do, that was the aspect that drew me toward them. So long live the Londinis. You also have, you know what, I'm I'm just going to stay with those three. I know, and I don't want to disappoint any of my friends on here. Just know that I I do love all y'all, but I could, I could probably go on for two hours talking about all the people I know. I'm not about to do all that, y'all. You're going to have to go on a TikTok and find one of my posts where I put like 30 fucking people on there and they're individually tagged with these little stickers. You just click on it and bam, it takes you to the profile. Go find that post if you need to. Because I post a lot of content every day. So I know it was a lot about you know TikTok and everything like that, but TikTok is a big thing that I do. It was, able, it was something that was able to teach me. I found the TTI survivors through TikTok. I learned about CPS corruption through TikTok. I learned about court corruption through family court corruption through TikTok. So as much as these senators and politicians and these representatives want to ban it, the reason why they want to ban it is because the information can spread so fucking quickly and it's exposing these corrupt assholes in power. Alright, that's enough on my soapbox. I want to close off on a good note. I find it refreshing and uplifting to find so many men and women on TikTok. <laughs> I know, I'm still on TikTok that want to protect children. That, to me, touched my heart because on other social media platforms, I thought I was alone in my mindset. And I'm not. There are so many wonderful fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters on there and cousins and grandpas and grandpas who just love protecting children. So many different age ranges, and I just love each and every single one of y'all. Every one of you that uses your voice to just to fight to protect children, to spread the awareness of these problems, 
You are fucking warriors in my opinion. And I love you dearly. Dearly so. For every single one of you that made that video that I put on TikTok and Facebook go viral. By the way, the Facebook one went uh, 1.3 million views as far as I saw about Marianne. The one on TikTok is almost 2 million views. Thank y'all from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> thank y'all so much. Uh, thank you for making a public outcry for wanting me to do an episode on it too. For the about, I think it was about two dozen people or so. Thank you. I heard you loud and clear. So I hope you get to listen to this. I hope you made it to this point And just know that you got to do what you love, y'all. I love survivors. I love uniting people together. I love people in general. I've grown a lot from my past. And I'm glad I'm at this point in my journey in life. And I'm so thankful I'm still here. For those of you to understand what I mean by that, thank you as well for knowing that. So y'all be safe. Y'all be blessed. Praise Jesus. Praise Odin. Praise Chippy. Skull and amen, y'all. Remember, the bowmen see and the bowmen never forget. Protect all children, even if they're not your own. Razzle dazzle. Super duper. I love y'all. Bye.